Welcome back to another episode of the Broaden Your Perspective podcast. Today, I am joined by my longtime friend, Ivan, and the format is a little bit different. It's almost like a fireside chat. I normally record my episodes across the web using a platform called Zencaster, but since Ivan and I are both in the city right now, we decided to meet up and do this face-to-face. This is a special episode as Ivan recently went through a health issue and was willing to open up and chat about that entire experience on this episode. Listen in to find out how he was able to cope with emotional and physical stress throughout the time he suffered from his disease, a little bit about our friendship and how we first met, Ivan's mindset, the power of perspective and gratitude, and much more. Without further ado, here we go. All right, so welcome back to another episode of the Broaden Your Perspective podcast. Today, I'm with my friend Ivan, and we're doing a little bit of a different sort of setup. So we're not doing this. Usually, I do my podcast recordings over the web platform, but today we're sitting face to face. We're having a, an intimate, uh, <laughs> an intimate, deep conversation about a lot of stuff. Um, Ivan's been a good friend of mine for a long time, and so uh, it's the first time we really sat down. Like the, this podcast has been in the long time coming. We've been planning it for a while, but today is finally the day. So thank you, Ivan, for taking the time to join me on the podcast today. Oh, of course, man. My pleasure. So uh, to start things off, why don't you just give a quick introduction to everybody listening into who is Ivan Gia? Like give if somebody somebody doesn't know anything about you yeah, and you want to describe yourself in three minutes, talk about maybe a quick background of you extracurriculars you're part of right, right now right, what school right, you go that, to you know that. stuff like all that right, all right um so uh, a little bit about me you know um so i grew up moving around a lot uh different places here and there here and there so i got a lot a lot of like different experiences in life mm-hmm. um then uh so initially like my family like we uh, i was born in the states and i lived in china for a couple of years and moved back to the states for a couple of years and then i eventually like settled back down in canada um, so, I, uh, I've been in Canada for, like, the last 12 years, uh, you know, I did, like, all my, like, main schooling, middle school, high school, that kind of stuff here, um, a little bit about me, like, what I do, uh, so right now I'm in university, I go to UFT, um, I'm still trying to figure out, like, exactly what it is that I want to do, uh, but I'm in between things, I'm trying to figure it out, maybe management, maybe, like, business, whatever, um, and then uh, a little bit about what I do, uh, you know, I was, um, I played a lot of sports in high school. I did a lot of, like, um, extracurriculars in that sense, like, with sports, like, you know, involving coaching, playing, all that kind of stuff. But right now, honestly, just student. Uh, I cut hair. I'm a barber. Um, that's basically it, though. Cool, cool. So what gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> what gets me out of bed in the morning? Yeah. My boss is always mad when I'm late, man. <laughs> that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, but for real though, yeah. um, what gets me out of bed in the morning, I guess, um, that's, that's a, that, like, that's interesting, but I guess I'd say what gets me out of bed in the morning is the, the feeling of like being like stagnant and, you know, like being left behind. Hmm. I don't like that. Right. So like, if you just sit on your ass all day, like 
and by the end of the day, you feel like, oh, I haven't accomplished anything. I've had that feeling too many times before. I know what that feels like, and I'm, I just don't like that feeling. So that feeling, plus, like, the added pressure of having to pay rent and, like, tuition and, like, bills and stuff like that, that, like, kind of drives me to, like, get out of bed, hop on a subway, go to work or go to school or whatever, you know? Hmm. So does that drive give you the energy to do things that you don't necessarily have a passion for or like doing a lot of the times? Or how would you how would you describe that drive that you're talking about? Because you, you mentioned that drive comes from things that you don't really have a choice over, right? Things like bills and and paying for your school tuitions. Like those like if you don't pay for those and you can't you can't live in the house you're in, you can't go to the school, attend the classes you're in. So how would you characterize that drive? Um how would I characterize that drive? Um yeah. Like, would you say you found your passion? Like, would you say, like, a passion gets you out of the uh, out of bed and drives you in the morning? You know, it's funny. Um, so, I actually, I was really passionate about cutting hair, right? So, mm-hmm. like, uh, it's actually funny. Johnny used to, he used to make fun of me for this all the time back in high school. But, so, like, the story of how I got into cutting hair was yeah, I was uh, I was actually really passionate about it because I always, like, really uh, liked art and stuff like that but I couldn't I couldn't draw I wasn't much of a musician I couldn't really do instruments or anything like that so I try to find my own thing and um I guess like I got tired of getting bad haircuts and paying for them Mm -hmm. so I said okay like I'm gonna do this and I'm just gonna cut my own hair and you know I started building up like a passion for that and throughout high school I do it here and there right so it's actually funny that you say about the drive thing and passion and all that so when I landed this job at a barbershop in Toronto, um, I was really excited at first, right? Like to be able to say that I get to do what I like for a living, you know, like support my way through by cutting hair. Right. But I found that like the first two months, I really, I really, really liked it. Like I was passionate about going to work. I was excited to wake up and cut hair in the morning. Right. But as, as I do it, like, full-time throughout the school year that passion slowly dies you know what I mean so it's like initially I'm super into it I'm like I'm researching how to get better but once you hit a certain point and you're just kind of like it's whatever it is work Mm. right so in terms of what drives me to get up it I wouldn't say it's like something I'm passionate about gets me up I think it's just trying to figure out uh what's next for me you know like right okay that that kind of gets me out in the morning okay cool now i think i think the topic that you're talking about in terms of like thinking that you found your passion and then continuing on with that and then realizing oh shoot maybe this isn't like what i like to do Yeah, yeah do you think that loss and passion had anything to do with you all of a sudden losing control over when and how you wanted to cut hair in terms of like like before in high school you talked about how you would just cut friends hair yeah. you do it on your own time whenever you wanted to you cut whatever styles you want to for sure um and now it's kind of like you have to be responsible to be at this barbershop from like nine to five or whatever yeah. the hours are like yeah. do you would you say that played a role in the decrease in the passion or was it just the more you got involved in haircutting you realize hey maybe this isn't maybe this isn't my passion you know i think a little bit of both um but uh to touch on the thing about like not being able to control when and where i do it uh i think I think with anything, right, if you're told that you have to show up at a certain time and that this is where you have to be for this allotted amount of time, like, it kind of takes the, 
it like as, even if you want to be there, right? It kind of makes it like more of a chore rather than your own decision, mm-hmm. you know? Because if you were to ask me, some days when I wake up, I don't want to be at the barbershop when I'm scheduled to be there, right? Like I might be feeling off in the morning, I might be feeling some type of way, had a long night or whatever, right? But I still have to be there nonetheless, right? And that doesn't take away from the fact that I actually do enjoy cutting hair. It's just having the obligation to be somewhere that you don't necessarily want to be in the morning. So that obviously kind of strips away at the passion a little bit. But I think mm-hmm. I think it's more repetition than anything. Right. Um, and especially at my barbershop, like we kind of like specialize in a certain type of haircut. So we're just doing the same haircut like over and over and over again. But uh, I think when you... Uh, do something so often for so many days, it it kind of it kind of loses that appeal to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember when I first started cutting hair, it's like fresh. You know, um, I'd want to do a haircut, and it's like immediately after, I want to try it again and try it again and try it again, right? Because it's a new experience, and I think the more you do an experience, the less like the less interested you are in it. Um, but I guess yeah. I don't know it. It's different for everyone. Obviously, like certain people have found their passion and they're okay with doing it over and over again. But for me, I guess I'm just not that kind of guy. Or maybe you're right. Maybe like as I've cut hair longer, I realize that this isn't exactly what I'm into, right? But yeah, I think like like when you're talking about, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I would characterize that as like shiny object syndrome. That's something I've definitely had before is like <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. when there's something new and it's like, damn, just because like this, this is something new in my life. It's like shiny. I'll chase towards it. Oh, for sure. But once I start doing it for a bit, it's like, oh damn. And then you look to the right and it's like, oh, this thing's shiny as well. And you run to that and you run to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people characterize that as bad because you're kind of starting things, but not finishing it. Right. But I would almost take a different approach because a lot of people talk about, you know, how can I find my passion? nowadays right Mm -hmm, but um through a lot of the conversations that i've had with a lot of people on the podcast the biggest trend is just go out and try different things right right um you you can't find your passion if you only do one thing your whole life yeah um so you got to go out and try different things so you know i would definitely recommend anybody that's trying to look for their passion to go and try stuff like that oh for sure for sure um i like that as well now what's the first thing you do once you get out of bed do you have like like, because routines are something that I discuss on this podcast a lot. Yeah. It's always interesting to see, you know, different people have their own different routines. Do you have a morning routine or what's the <laughs> first thing you do when you get out of bed? Oh man, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm usually running late. So, um, cause I set my, uh, I set my alarm like to the last minute possible to get like the most sleep possible. Yeah. And then um, if I like miss that alarm or hit snooze, I'm going to be late. Right. So yeah, usually first thing I do, uh, like, I just wake up, brush my teeth, like, do all that, and then I'm I'm pretty much out the door, you know, like, I grab an outfit, grab, like, my lunch or whatever, and I'm out the door, like, I don't really got much time in the morning, and that's, like, in large part my fault, like, I've been trying to, like, get a morning routine down, Mm -hmm. like, maybe go to the gym before work, you know, wake up, do that, all that kind of stuff, like, but, I don't know, I'm just not a morning person, I've tried it, uh, I would like to be, but (laughs) it's a process for sure, you know? Yeah. What would you say are you the most proud of? Because I know we were talking about this earlier, how, you know, you really find it super cool that you took something, for example, cutting hair, you self-taught yourself how to cut hair, you stuck with it and stayed committed to it for a while to the point where now you're actually doing this full time, using it to pay 
things like your school fee, uh, what your rent, where you're living right now. Yeah. Um, aside from that, yeah. What would you say has been your proudest moment? My proudest moment? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, or just something that comes to your mind right now. You know, I I'll say this, man. Uh, so obviously Johnny knows, and a lot of my close friends know. Like I went through like a big medical thing last year. Uh, so. I'm not gonna get too much into the details in that, but I like I went through like a long treatment process, and then I had a major surgery, and then a long recovery process, right? So I guess my my proudest moment would be to say like, it's not a moment in itself, but it's like the entire process and hmm. making it through that. You know what I mean? Like that's something I'm really proud of to be able to say like I was able to get through what I got through and then come out you know i wouldn't say better but more mentally stronger for sure like that's yeah. that's what i would say i'm most proud about you know yeah yeah and to give a little bit more context to the audience do you want to just talk about the timeline of that kind of medical like how long did it take for you to yeah, go from like sure. initial diagnosis to maybe yeah. uh, recovery stage um stuff like that like right. how long was that in total uh okay so i was diagnosed um so I okay. So basically, first year I I uh, moved from Vancouver to Toronto, right? And uh, I was basically born with like this condition, uh, but it was like very minor. And then I I do my first year of university in Toronto, my first year away from home. And then during the summer, cause I you know I I fucked up my first year, so I had to take summer classes to catch up. So midway through my summer class, um, I go in for my yearly checkup, uh, new doctor, all that. Um, and I just remember, right, so uh, I go in for my blood test, and then I come back, I come back, uh, I go to bed, and the next morning, I, I sleep with my phone off, by the way, but, so I wake up, I open my phone, and I see, like, 23 missed calls, right, I'm like, mm. I'm like, wait a minute, like, I'm not that popular, like, nobody's trying to hit <laughs> me up like that, like, nobody's, like, nobody's seeking me out like yeah, that, Yeah, I can right? vouch, so, I can vouch. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm so kidding. I'm like, uh, so I'm like, something's wrong here, right, like, so... Uh, I call the number back and it's like uh, it's like the emergency line at um, at the hospital, right? And they're like, oh, like one of your organs stopped working, right? Mm-hmm. So I got diagnosed in the summer of uh, twenty eighteen, I would think. Yeah, I think twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty eighteen makes sense. Um, yeah, summer twenty eighteen, and then I uh, I was sick for nine months. Uh, like the treatment process was nine months, waiting for my surgery, going through treatment. Um, so that was that was difficult and like throughout like that nine months like other problems started coming up as uh, you would assume like if one of your organs stopped working like other shit pops up here and there right so that nine months was kind of hard uh, and it I think the hardest part about that nine months was not like the physical or whatever it was the emotional toll that's mm-hmm. like it kind of takes on you because it's like you not only have to you not only have to worry about your current health but you're also constantly thinking about when when that surgery is going to come or like when uh when this is going to be over right and the longer it goes like the more doubt creeps into your mind like oh is it ever going to end or when is that date coming it just seems like it's never coming and never coming so that was the hard part and then obviously being sick is never fun right so nine months and then i did surgery uh, it was a major operation, so I had about two weeks like in bed recovery, one month like hardly walking, and then four months later, I'd like to say like I'm back to 
regular functioning like still obviously with certain things hindering but like mm-hmm. it's very it's almost back to normal right so it's about like a year and a bit that's like that's my timeline right yeah yeah i just wanted to get give a little bit of context so people aren't thinking like oh did he just get like a sickness for like a week and then like now he's here talking no, about yeah, 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 nah, no, like, no, it, was, no, it sure. was a long time like a year and, and, and I, i've been through you like because i remember like the initial time i heard about this because yeah. i because i knew you were staying in toronto for the summer yeah um but I, I want to learn, I, I want you to walk through a little bit more of your like initial mindset of when you heard that diagnosis and you heard like, oh, what's, right, what's right. coming up next? I remember like the first time that you told me about it, yeah. you called me and you're like super happy, super energetic. <laughs> I'm like, yo, what's up, man? You're like, yo, I'm coming home for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, like, yeah. but why? I thought you were in course. And then you're yeah. like, oh yeah, no, this happened to me. Yeah. This happened, so I kind of have to go back now, but you're yeah, like yeah. super energetic. But I, I mean, like on a deeper level though like right. what was your mindset like you know when you first heard that diagnosis versus like now all of a sudden it's almost like your life is flipped upside down right yeah. Cause you, you can't go do things like work out play basketball right, um, right. you know eat the things you want to do it's it's kind of like all of a sudden you have all these restrictions yeah um so walk us through kind of that initial mindset you kind of had Oh, uh, that's actually so funny that you bring up that. You remember <laughs> I still, that yeah, phone I still call? Remember like, that. Yeah. That's the first time I yeah, heard about I it too. You told I know. Me. I re- literally remember like the, uh, like initially I was kind of like, uh, when I went to the hospital, I stayed in the emergency room for like three nights because uh, I didn't know what was going on and like the doctors were trying to figure it out as well, right? So um, that was the scary part, right? That was the scary part. And um I think I would like to think that I'm a I'm an optimistic person. I'd see things like glass half full kind of kind of deal. So initially when I got the diagnosis, I thought this is this is just something I got to get through, you know? This is this is that one thing in life that's going to make me stronger. This is my biggest challenge. You know, I'm not going to look at this as like a hindrance. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to grow, right? I'm going to use this as an opportunity to like prove to myself that I can get through whatever. Cause if I can get through this, I can get through whatever. Right. So right. that, that was my initial thought process, but obviously um, it's hard to maintain that for nine months when you're suffering like every day throughout mm-hmm. the disease. Right. So I think initially that's why I called. I was super excited. I was going to see my friends. Right? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't initially think like life was going to change at all for me. So I was just, I'm like, yeah, I get to go home this summer, you know, like I get to skip school. Like it's going to be chill. I see my parents, see my friends, like do all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but like maybe like two months in, it kind of like really set in that, oh shit, like this is kind of serious, you know? Yeah. Um, you talked about, you know, emotional and physical tone also like suffering. I feel like a lot of times people are, everybody's going through their own different hardships. Well, for sure. Um, and, you know, s- hardships are totally dependent on one's perspective of something, yeah, right? Which I believe definitely. so as well. Um, so when you were going through this, you know, nine month year struggle of literally having, you know, almost like your identity or everything that you ever did kind of stripped away from you. Um, what were some of those ways that you tried to cope with that? And what advice would you share for people that may be going through some similar emotional, I don't want to say trauma, that's probably like, trauma is not the right word, but going through this like emotional toll right now in their lives. Oh man, um, 
you know, it's definitely tough. Because uh, when, when you're going through something, right, whatever that may be, it's, it's, that's all that you're thinking about, right? It kind of consumes your everyday life. It kind of consumes all your thoughts, right? Um, so it's always tough to try to think about things in a broader perspective. But one thing that kind of helped the mental side of things for me was thinking about perspective hmm. and trying to put everything in perspective. And, and it's very cliche, but it's, it's very true, though. Um, if you take everything in perspective, right? So for me... I had an organ failure, but if you take it in perspective, some people are born without limbs, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I loved growing up was playing basketball and like sports and stuff. So to to like in perspective, had I I'd much rather have like an organ failure than be born without limbs. So in that case, I'm lucky, right? Or mm-hmm. I'm able to, you know, go home and rehab under a roof with loving parents, food on the table, and, like, uh, in Canada where healthcare is free and stuff like that. But if you put things in perspective, people in less fortunate situations wouldn't even get the same opportunity as I do to recover, right? So one of the things that kind of helped was it's not as, like, as bad, as as shitty as it sounds, but it's not all about you, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's, you're going through this, yeah, but everybody's going through something, and if you think, if you think, oh, I'm the most unlucky person in the world, like, yeah, like, I'm unlucky for getting that, but there's people in way worse situations as me, so when I thought about that, I'm like, okay, if they can get up and do what they have to do and get through what they're going through, which is way worse than what I'm going through, there's no reason I should sit here and complain and just, like, give up, right? Like, I... I got to keep fighting because they're fighting as well. Right. And they're going through things that are way tougher than me. And I'm not here to say like your problems aren't problems, but sometimes you just got to look and you got to put things in perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a reason why my podcast is called broaden your perspective. Yeah, Cause you yeah, know, I, sure. I find value in expanding one's perspective, but you touched on a few interesting, interesting things there. Um, the first one was perspective, but the second one was almost like, a sense of reverse entitlement yeah where it was kind of like man all the problems in the world only happen to me or i'm the yeah, only yeah. one that suffers from those problems Ver- the reason why i say reverse entitlement is because like traditionally when you think of entitlement it's kind of like oh i deserve this thing but that thing is usually always a good thing right um it wasn't until i read the book by uh <laughs> i know exactly what you're subtle read, yeah. the subtle art of not giving <laughs> yeah a fuck, i know right? exactly that one <laughs> Hansen, yeah he yeah, talks so. about reverse entitlement where like people that think all the world's problems fall into their laps that, you know, victimize themselves. Like that's a form of entitlement because yeah. who are you to say that you're the only one that suffers with these problems, right? Everybody's going through their own thing as you talked about. Um, and I think, you know, perspective is massively important. And for me, putting things into perspective always helped out a lot. Um, this is something that I talked about before on the podcast as well, but it's like when I was doing my co-op term in Scarborough, right? I was living alone for four months it was in winter time. Like I was, I've never been away from that many people before for that long. Mm-hmm. And I was just like really, really sad and down. <laughs> and, you know, now that I'm sitting back and thinking about it, yeah. like what the heck was I sad about? I had yeah. a, I had a house to live in, in Scarborough. I had a great job for a first co-op turn that most people would, would want or, or, you know, be willing to give up to get to that position. 
um, you know, I was living on my own. I had free time. Uh, you know, I was doing the podcast. I got so much stuff going for me, yet I was just so sad about about stuff. Right. Um, so I think putting things into perspective is is super massive as well. Oh, definitely. If I could add on that, actually, yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Like I just remember thinking, like, uh, no, exactly. So uh, for me, I was thinking back. I was thinking back to high school, right? And I was trying to figure out like what my worst day in high school was like. So when I was sick, I was thinking about that all the time. And let's say like my worst day in high school, like. I don't know I failed a test or whatever. Like the girl, I like curved me or whatever. You know that kind of <laughs> that kind of shit, right? So yeah. that kind of shit. You had a bad like basketball game or whatever, like that kind of thing. And I would I would remember me in that moment in high school feeling like my life is over. Like this is like the worst thing that ever happened to me. You know, I got rejected by the girl I liked. Like I did really poorly in basketball. Like that kind of thing, right? But then when I was sick, I was like. I would do anything to trade one of these days, like a good day when I'm sick for like the worst day I had in high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's like, you never know how good you have it until you really think about the next person and the next person. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. How would you say your mindset kind of developed as you were going through these different phases? Cause I'm sure it's really tough for you to see like, you know, especially like end of summer and everybody's going back to school Oh, for and sure. you're like, damn, like that's supposed to be me. But now I'm stuck here. I'm behind everybody. Like h- talk to us about how your mindset kind of changed as you spent more time recovering and, and dealing with this specific issue. Oh, for sure. So like, uh, like I said, I was like a fucking oblivious dumbass. Like when, <laughs> <laughs> when it first happened to me, I didn't take it seriously at all. I was like, okay, whatever. I'm young. I'll get through this, whatever. Um, so I went home, I just hung out with friends all day, did my treatment, uh, took my medication, did all that, like, still was suffering, but I still felt like a regular dude, you know what I mean? Like, I was still able to go out, uh, obviously with restrictions, but, uh, I was still able to, like, have fun and stuff, um, but then, like, like, you hit it on the nail, like, when school started up again, because initially when I first got the diagnosis, I thought this might be, like, a two, three month thing, like maximum like I'd miss first semester of second year right like I did not expect it to take a year and a half so when people started going back to school in September and keep in mind I'm three months into my disease at this point Mm -hmm. like my treatment at this point that's when it kind of set in that's when that moment like it clicked like oh shit no I'm actually sick like this isn't this isn't, I got the sniffles for a long time. This isn't, you know, this actually is going to hinder my life now, right? So, you know how I said I was super positive at the beginning. That slowly faded as you saw people doing things that you should be doing at this age, right? Like, right. I'm, ni- I'm 19 at the time. You know, I'm uh, I'm 19. I was an athlete. You know, I had friends. I, I was going to school. I was doing all these things, working part-time. So, obviously seeing these things happen in front of you while you're sitting in a hospital bed or while you're coked up at home dealing with whatever you're dealing with, the more exposure you get to that, the harder it gets on your um, like mental, right? And I think uh, I felt that way for around three months. So the start of school till around like Christmas time. And then it wasn't until like three or four months after like around Christmas time when I like really thought about it and I was mm-hmm. like trying to put things in perspective and then that's when I uh, I was able to kind of accept what happened. So it took me a long time to get over the fact that, oh no, 
I'm actually like like you said, I victimized myself for a long time, and it took me a long time to get over that. But so it was like a period of denial, almost in terms of the seriousness of the disease that you had, or how would you? You know, I'd say I categorize like the first two three months like as denial, right? Because right. um, yeah, I just didn't think something like this would happen to me. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like we played basketball together. You know, yeah. we used to fuck around all the time, but. Uh, yeah, so I never thought something like this was going to happen to me. When it happened to me, I didn't think it was going to be serious. So that was my period of denial, right? And then then it was like coping with the fact that I had it. And that was like the depression phase, right? Like that was right. that was all that kind of stuff. And then once, once I kind of took a step back, stopped victimizing myself and like realized there's other shit in the world that's going on that's way worse than what you're going through right now. That's when I kind of came to accept things mm-hmm. and realized that I don't got it all that bad like obviously i don't got it great but like it could be worse right so that's when i hit that accepting phase and then shortly after i had my surgery luckily but yeah so that was kind of like the timeline of what i was thinking throughout it Hmm. i think like when you talk about perspective it always plays into almost like gratitude and having a sense of appreciation for things like i one of the things i think it's gary v that always talks about is like the odds of you becoming a human being are like one in some like hundred trillion or something like that. Yeah, I've heard that so much before. And that's just you being born. Like yeah. I could have been born as a little, you know, Asian refugee slave, like <laughs> somewhere in like the villages in China. For sure. Um, but the fact that I'm sitting here, right, in front of a laptop, in front of a microphone in an apartment in downtown Toronto talking to you is like, well now what are the odds of that? For sure. Right. No doubt. And I no think doubt about that. Um I think gratitude is is huge as well. Like, what's your relationship with with gratitude? Uh, well, it's definitely grown. I'll tell yeah. you that. Um, uh, you know, I'll say this. Um, I used to take like so many things for granted, right? Like good health. That was something I never ever thought about, right? And now that I'm healthy again, I I try to preserve that, and I'm grateful that I'm healthy and all these things, right? So like. My relationship with gratitude is I've gained, like, a deeper appreciation for mm-hmm. everything that happens to me, you know? Like, like whenever, like, in when you were growing up, right? Like, when your parents came and, like, made you dinner, right? And you, you'd be, like, in a different headspace. Let's say you were, like, with friends or whatever. And you kind of, like, brush past that dinner that your mom spent, like, two hours making, like, an hour making for you, right? And you kind of, like, rush through it. Like, you'd scarf it down in, like, five, ten minutes. You'd, like, say, see you guys. Like, I'm heading out again, right? But now, like, for me now, it's, like, I'm very grateful that she took the time. Like, I can really appreciate that one hour that went into it, all the, like, sacrifices she's making so I have a meal at the table, right? So these small things I'm really grateful for now. Hmm. Now, would you say that that sense of gratitude has slowly started to go away or is that something permanent stuck? Because the way that I see it is that humans are very temporary beings and are very good at adapting to things. So what I'm pulling at here is, for example, when I left Vancouver to come to school in Ontario, right? The first, you know, month that I moved, like I was sad. I was away from my family, but then I started to adapt, right? And I was like, you know, I'm doing fine now. I can totally live on my own. Then I went back for winter break. And for the first, you know, week or so, I was super grateful. I was like, oh my God, my mom's cooking for me. Like, it's nice. I'm sleeping in a bed. I got, you know, a shower. I don't have to wear sandals into. Um, I got privacy and stuff like that. 
but then you know i'm back home for winter break for like two and a half three weeks and after the first week i'm already losing that sense yeah. of gratitude yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah no, i know um, exactly what you're talking but, about but would you say that even after going through such a huge major life event like that the gratitude effect wears off like do you find that because now you know you've been healthy for a few months now or yeah. we're still on the recovery path but definitely doing a lot better than how you were a few yeah. months ago would you say that that feeling of gratitude is wearing off or does it stay as strong as you know let's say you first ate the food that you wanted to eat or right, right, you know right. you're, you're, you're able to eat what your mom cooked for you stuff right like that. right um no i'd be completely lying to you if i told you like that gratitude sticks with uh-huh. you um i think in certain cases some people are strong enough to like maintain that but for me personally I remember, I, I think I told you that, I might have told you this when I was sick and stuff. Like, I, I would always say, like, and this is not necessarily gratitude, but it kind of ties in. Um, I would always say, like, okay, like, I'm no longer ever going to have a bad day after yeah. I get sick, right? Like, yeah. I think I remember saying that something like that. And if that wasn't, like, the biggest, like, bag of lies I've ever fucking told <laughs> in my life. Um, so, with gratitude, I would always, like, uh, I remember... Cause I couldn't shower for a long time, cause I I had like uh, I had an open open wound, right? Mm-hmm. So I couldn't shower for a long time. So I remember the first shower I took after I got the surgery and everything was good again, and I could finally take a full body shower. That was like the most heavenly shower of my life, right? <laughs> like it was amazing. And for the second shower was amazing too. But let's say a week from then, I stopped thinking about how great and appreciative i am of that shower. right like it wears off that quick yeah like it uh, certain things wear off slower like my appreciation for what my parents do for me and that like obviously that's gonna stick way longer than a fucking shower would but the point is it's gonna wear off at least for me it did right so yeah and i think i think it's only natural right for humans to move on from things like that to not have things like chain you to the past yeah um but i don't know that's always been a topic that i'm super interested about because you know a lot of the times like you don't you don't see people making any major changes unless they've gone through a major life event right yeah so the person doesn't decide to you know get in the gym and get healthy until after they suffer from a heart attack and end up living through it yeah um so or like you hear stories like majorly successful people start out like super poor, they struggle a lot, they suffer through a lot, and because they've gone through that huge, you know, torturous life event, from there they use that as a motivation. What I've been interested in thinking of is, okay, how do I hack that without going through, you know, a, a, without going through some serious life event that's going to yeah. seriously alter the way that I live? Yeah. How can I find that burning sense of urgency towards doing something because i'm sure now your relationship with your health and your body has changed dramatically right like talk to us a little bit about how that relationship has changed now in terms of the stuff you're putting in your body how conscious you are of you know the amount of sleep you get or your stress levels what you're drinking the amount of fluids you're drinking stuff like that yeah uh so i'll be honest um when i was in high school like i ate like shit um like my habits are awful uh, I'd be out all night. I'd be smoking a bunch of whatever, and then I'd uh, I'd be drinking alcohol for uh, excess amounts of alcohol too. I'd be smoking. Um, I'd eat like McDonald's like three or four, five, five, six times a week, maybe twice in one day, that kind of thing. So I really didn't care, right? Because it never occurred to me. But after now that I've uh, gone through that, I'd say the only thing um, that has like absolutely altered 
in the way I go about my daily life is w- how I treat my health now, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, yeah, now I'm very conscious and very aware of what I surround myself with, what I eat, how, how many hours of rest I get, my stress levels. Um, it's like, I haven't drank in a very long time. I uh, stopped smoking, like, everything, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, all these things like you kind of you kind of pick that up so i guess like to talk about hacking the system um <laughs> i don't think there's an answer yeah for that, I, right? I don't know because like, i, I couldn't I, I couldn't like i can't help you with that because even <laughs> even after going through something like that like i still like to go back to the first question you asked me, or one of the first questions like what drives you to get out of bed in the morning yeah. right so when i was sick i wanted nothing more to like go to school just be a regular dude right but here i am six months out of post-surgery and on my way to recovering, I have the opportunity to go to school and go to class and go to work. And sometimes my lazy ass just hits the snooze button and I just call it a day, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I couldn't tell you about no hacks because I went through (laughs) something like that and I'm still like, I'm still bummy, you know? (laughs) I'm still a bummy guy, so you know. Yeah. um, (laughs) (laughs) So then from, from a health point of view, what uh health hacks might you have for people that are trying to live maybe more healthy lifestyle but aren't ready to make that dramatic change like are there any specific supplements or specific foods specific oils um stuff like that that you know through your own self-research and you doing things to you know put that right type of food into your body do you have any general kind of health tips for people listening, like even myself, like yeah. right now, I'm not on a crazy diet, right, right. But I'm trying to stay away from things like processed foods and whatnot. Um, what's your what's I, your take I think on that? Um, I, I've done a bunch of research about like um, holistic healing and stuff like that. I'm not gonna get too much into it because it's uh, it's it's a it's like one of those topics where we're we're trained to think that Western medication is gonna like is the end all be all like solve all kind of thing but i i tend to look at things like i want to heal things naturally but i i think like the general public out there like everybody everybody kind of knows like don't don't eat a lot of fast food try to stay away from processed food don't don't go on a sugar craze like that kind of thing right so uh day-to-day basis i just say like stay hydrated get get proper amount of rest Mm -hmm. try to stay away from like processed food try to eat real food right whether that be raw salads or like you cook your own meals but you know try to eat out less less sugar less salt that kind of stuff but you know for the most part like people people kind of get an idea of it yeah Yeah. i think i think i definitely fall into that category of the people that know what the right decisions are yeah uh, but still love to ask oh it's just about no it's just about actually doing them right everybody knows like you shouldn't have mcdonald's three times a week but like I still have McDonald's once in a while, and I went through this crap. So, uh-huh. like, you know, it's just the self-discipline. Yeah, self-discipline, I think, plays a huge role. Because, like, you hear people like, oh, like, what are some, like, weight loss hacks or whatever? Yeah, like, how yeah. do you lose weight? And I feel, sure. like, I feel like people asking that question already know the answer, right? Yeah. Like, drink more water, eat healthy, go to the gym, yeah, start yeah. being Work more out, active. You know, yeah, for sure. Um, I think a lot of that just comes down to, like... Actually doing it, you know? Right, like yeah. execution, right, at yeah, the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. Um... Okay, so spinning. Okay, before we leave this topic, um, is there anything else that you want to share in terms of? I know we covered a lot of things, such as uh, biggest lessons you learned after going through an experience like this. But is there yeah. anything else that you feel like we missed that you want to tack on, um, or any other sort of advice maybe you want to share to people that may also be struggling through a really really tough period of their lives right now? Um, I'll just say this. Um, one thing is like 
not trying to uh, build up your expectations for what life is going to be like after, right? So one, one, one fatal, like I wouldn't say fatal mistake, but one mistake I made was always fantasizing about what life is going to be like after my illness or whatever the hell you're dealing with at the moment, right? Like what life is going to be like afterwards, right? And what I'm suffering through right now is realizing that these fantasies aren't reality, right? So when you're sick for so long, all you're thinking about is the highlights that are going to happen after, you know, you're thinking about, you know, when your first day after you're sick, you know, you're thinking about finding a new job, you're thinking about, you know, for me, it was running a marathon and all these things and playing basketball again. But reality is, even though you're healthy, life is still normal, you know what I mean? You're not all of a sudden like a superhero, you're not all of a sudden going to be doing crazy things all the time and if you kind of fall in this trap that thinking as soon as you're not sick all the daily struggles go away like all the things that you used to like be concerned about fade then you're gonna fall in this place where I'm currently at where it's like when you realize your fantasies aren't coming true or they might be but they're slower and it kind of leaves you in a place that you're almost like it's not very fulfilling that you're mm. like, you know what I mean? It's not like satisfying. Yeah, it's not satisfying, right. right? So, you know, just I'd say like it's always great to think about what's next, but don't get so caught up and lost in that because when it actually happens, it might not live up to it, right? So Yeah, so it's almost like it's almost like having a sense of like mindfulness and just enjoying the presence. Yeah. Like the present yeah. time that you're in right now. Like don't think too much about the future. Don't think too much about yeah. the past. Because I'll say this, like uh, yeah. now that I'm in school and working and stuff like that, uh, I almost miss being sick. Like not the suffering part, but just <laughs> sitting on my ass and not doing anything for like like nine months at a time. Like I realized like that was kind of blessed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I just got to take a break from life, you know, yeah. but, uh, obviously like don't, don't do that. But yeah, I don't think that's, uh, that's yeah. the best way to go about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. And I, and I think like you hear a lot of people always say like, you know, social media is killing the current generation now. Uh, and for me, you know, I don't feel like social media is that big of an issue. I feel like, um, it's a very powerful tool and we want to keep it a tool, right? You don't want to let the user become the tool. But I think the biggest issue that a lot of people have with social media, and I would say I agree with this, is that you only ever see, like, and the reason why this is even relevant is because I'm thinking, like, the the thought in my head is when you're scoring things like Instagram, right? You see, like, LeBron James dunking or hitting some, or Steph creating some crazy threes or, you know, some house of highlights, uh, about some high school kid that broke some new record you always yeah, see these like yeah. amazing highlights in life but you never get to see the actual behind the scenes of like the hard work and the effort that goes into things right so it's kind of like your expectation of what reality is is totally skewed right yeah. you think that just because you watch lebron james mixtape you can go out there and play like lebron james but you didn't go and put in the work of like you know whatever thirty yeah, like years you did all of his life basically right, right? So, yeah yeah and I feel like that's when people get a sense of misalignment um, another way of getting a sense of misalignment like I totally agree with your expectation part as yeah. well um, so then what what would be your counter to that then because like I bet that when you're when you were stuck in that position mm-hmm. it was really hard for you to think about anything but okay, here's the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, That's what's sure. going to get me through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so then what would be your way of getting around that, you know, without holding that expectation too high? 
but still having that light at the end of the tunnel to get you through whatever you're going like you know situations that happen to you at the moment like that I, it's tough to answer yeah. that right because uh that no you're right that thinking about what's gonna happen afterwards is really helpful right but i guess like i would say learn to like adapt to your current situation right like let's say you're sitting and not doing anything all day rather than complaining about it think about once you're healthy again when are you ever gonna get a chance to like just sit there and all you have to worry about is like staying alive right like Hmm. that's your only responsibility right it's I, I, I don't want to say live in the moment because the moment that you're going through kind of sucks, right? But try to find pieces of that moment that you're you're not going to be able to have back, right? And that you, you should try your best to enjoy no matter what you're going through. Um, Damn, I love that so much. Right? So that's I, I think that's all I can say about that. But Yeah, that's a lot of putting things into perspective at that point. Okay, so uh, I really appreciate you, you know, willing to open up and talk about this topic and you know like six months ago like or five months ago like it's pretty fresh right it's no 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 problem we're talking about 2018 2019 that's 2019 is this year so it's something that you recently gone through so um you know appreciate you opening up and us chatting about this but kind of taking a different take on things what was your first memory of me or like, what was your first impression? Was your <laughs> I was first hoping impression? you'd ask this What's question. What's your first impression I, of me? I was me hoping you'd ask this question. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'd actually, I'd actually, um, I'd actually heard about you uh, before I actually met you. So uh, we okay, have. We get it. You're a fan, man. Uh, shut the. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I mean. All right. Um, so basically, how I heard of Johnny was. We uh, we all played basketball. Obviously, we were gonna have mutual teammates. Um, I think he was on a podcast earlier. So, my my teammate throughout high school and much of my basketball life was uh, Kaido, right? Kaido, um, and I think I remember this was during like our high school uh, high school time, like when we were a very competitive team. He was telling me about like his off season training, and I think you guys played on the same team or whatever, right? And I just remember him being like, oh yeah, like this Johnny guy, like he's like he's really good, right? I'm like, man, like, you never talk about me like that, man. Like, <laughs> I'm on your team, right? So initially, I'm already like, okay, I don't like this Johnny guy, right? And then uh, I think I remember the first uh, time we actually met was um, after a game. I think you came to watch one of our games or whatever, and I, I don't think I was playing that game either, but I think I just kind of introduced myself, and I was like, oh, you're Johnny, and you were kind of like, you're kind of like, who is this fool? Like, who is this guy, like, introducing himself? But uh, I think our friendship really took off after we started actually playing basketball together, and then and then Johnny, being the clingy guy he is, like, he was like, yo, man, like, do you want to hang out? And I was like, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't really like you, but I guess, like, you know, so we just kind of started hanging out, and that's, uh, that's how, that's how we ended up yeah, here. Cool. I think that, that's the thing I love about basketball, because you just end up making all these like random connections that like I, I I would have never thought that when I first met you that we first talked like I even remember that moment exactly you're talking about yeah I would have never thought that you know three or four years down the line I would be sitting across from you right now doing like a podcast style you know interview yeah. conversation like sitting in your apartment like I never thought our relationship would flourish to that stage oh for sure man. Um, for sure but it's just like <laughs> that like serendipitous like element in life I feel like is uh I don't know. It's interesting. It's always interesting to, no, to think funny. about. You yeah, know what I that's, mean? That's really funny. Like, yeah, like yeah. yeah. 
So then what would you, what do you think is something that you strongly believe, but the majority of people maybe surrounding you or your friends disagree with you on? Um, I can't, I can't speak for that. Everybody strongly disagrees with this, but I'll just say, I guess like being in a university such as like UFT, right? Um, I'm constantly surrounded by people who are chasing after career aspirations and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, when I talk to people about their goals and stuff, a lot of people talk to me in terms of like monetary success, right? So I'm not trying to say that's all they care about, right? But for me, monetary success is very low on my priority list of uh the way I see like how I want the rest of my life to play out obviously money is important you need money to you know uh survive right and Mm -hmm. obtain like the things that actually make you happy but I think part of working at the barbershop I realized no matter how excited I am about a potential career that I go into the more I do it it slowly becomes a job right so I know for me personally, to do something that I'm going to love to do every day as a career for the rest of my life is way too hard for me to actually attain reasonably, right? So how I see things is I want to get a job that pays like a decent amount. Like I, I, I don't really like I, you know me, I'm kind of a minimalistic dude. I don't really care too much about materialistic right. things, right? Right. So I see, I see work as a means to not only survive but obtain obtain like the things that actually satisfy you and fulfill you in life right i don't see work as a thing that will fulfill me in life mm-hmm. so i think where i differ from most people is my life goals and my view on success is not based off of my social status my career like my career position or my a monetary value i see i see like success as in a broader term, happiness or, you know what I mean? But if I don't make a lot of money versus someone who makes, let's say, seven figures or mm-hmm. six figures or whatever, and I make like a, you know, just an average salary or whatever. But to me, that's, I'm happy and that's successful for me. You know what I mean? Right. So like you kind of talked about happiness and work as two separate things yeah like do you ever see a future where those two categories overlap maybe or do you think that those things can't be merged together because whatever you start to consider as oh your job or your whatever your work quote-unquote is it starts to drain the passion away what do you think on that um, I think for me personally, yeah. like, that's the case. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you find people who are like super passionate about, right. I don't know, finance, for example, right? Um, and that's great for them if they want to do that for the rest of their lives uh, and continue like being fulfilled and happy with their job, right? Like that's great. Uh, I envy that actually, but I know for me personally, I'm not gonna be able to find fulfillment in something that I'm obligated to do for a mm. paycheck. Because part of it is once you put a monetary value behind something, you're you're no longer actually just doing it because you want to do this, right? You're doing it because you kind of have to. This is like, this is a task. This mm. is to get something back, right? You're not just putting yourself in there because you want to put yourself in there. You're putting yourself in there for a return, right? So 
at, at, I think at that point, right, passion kind of starts getting blurred up a bit. You know what I mean? That line of I'm genuinely passionate or this is a job becomes blurred. And for me, especially when you put a monetary return on something I used to be passionate about, mm-hmm. I find I tend to lose that passion, mm. especially if I do it in repetition. That is very interesting because that is definitely a unique view that I've never considered really or ever talked about. But why do you think, like for you, right? Um, why do you think that once you get this obligation to do something, you start to lose passion or happiness? from? Like, do you think that's like an ego thing or like why... Why is it that when whenever something is forced upon you, like why is autonomy or autonomous work so important for you? Would you say? Oh, that's tough. I, you know what, like to put it simply, I just kind of like to be on my own time. I kind of like to do things as I please, right? Um, yeah. I always said, um, I always said, if I could work five different jobs in a week and add, make that add up to your work week, I would do that, right? Like four hours here, four hours there, five hours there, right? Like, whatever, right? And I would... Because I, I'm someone who gets bored of things pretty quickly. And then, especially after I'm bored of something, I don't want to do it. Mm. And then if someone tells me I have to do it, it makes me almost, in a way, resent having to do it. <laughs> so it's like, even though I like cutting hair, I'm bored of cutting hair, and I don't want to cut hair next Tuesday, but I'm scheduled and I have to be there or else I'm going to be fired. So that's where the resentment kicks in and that's where the passion fades. That's, uh, that's my line right I there. I see, I see. So would, do you think that if you were to quit this job you had at the barbershop and then just do barbering on your own, on your own time, whenever you wanted to, maybe just cut people at your house, do you think that would change your perception on cutting hair? Or you think that now you've already ventured into this obligation space, it's kind of already ruined the image of it for you? See, I would actually have to quit to find that out. But yeah, I, the way I think about it is I think if I were to... Because ideally, I don't want to cut, do eight haircuts every single day, right? I want to do maybe eight haircuts all week, you know, and space them out, maybe like one a day or however many or like that kind of deal, right? So if I were to quit and do haircutting for a hobby or sport again, basically, I think that passion might slowly come back, right? But at the same time, I don't know because... Now I have such a, like a, I guess you could call it like a disdain for it because I'm, it, it's like correlated with work and money and obligations to the point where at this point I don't, the last thing I want to do when I come home is cut someone's hair, Hmm. right? And whereas before, you know me, I would, you know, I'd ask everybody on social media, like reach out like, Hey, I'm trying to learn how to cut hair. Can I cut your hair for free? I'll like come to your house. I'll do this. And like, I wouldn't mind going cross city, like cross town at like 12 AM in the, like at night, do a free haircut just to do a haircut. Now, if you ask me to do that, I'd be like, fuck you. Right. So (laughs) it's not going to happen. Like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Okay, cool. So you touched on, yeah, you know, the definition of success, at least for you there, who or what comes to your mind first when you hear the word success? Is there like a specific role model that you might have? Cause, um, or, or like who or what comes to your mind when you think of the word success? Um, it's not so much who, I guess it's more of a what. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, 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 it's tough to like put in words, but I guess if I could, it's when when I die, right? Or like 
that moment, like, uh, you know, right before you die or whatever, when you know death is coming or whatever, right? I want to be able to, like, look back and say, I at least attempted to do all the things I wanted to do, right? Like, obviously, you're not going to be able to do everything that you wanted to do. I, I wanted to be 6'5 and an NBA player. I'm 5'8. That's not going to fucking happen. So, but I attempted it, right? Like, I, I trained, I played basketball for all my life. So, I can say I gave that dream or that want an attempt. Yeah. So, I want to be able to, like, look at my life and say, although I may have regrets, I didn't leave anything unattempted. And to me, that's successful because you, you were able to try to pursue all the things you wanted to pursue, right? Like, ultimately, that's what life is about for me. Hmm. Like, if I have an interest in something, I want to pursue what I'm interested in, right? Right. So if I'm able to pursue or at least try the things I've always wanted to try and you know, when I die, I die. Like, that's that's success for me, you know? Like, when, <laughs> when I die, die, I die, right? Die, yeah. But true, that's success true. for me, so that's, uh, that's how I see it. But, like, the, the the point about, like, attempting things is, like, so interesting to me because how do you draw that balance between, okay, I've known that I've tried my hardest and there's no future path for this versus, hey, we can still push through this. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, with yeah. basketball, like, how did you know when was the, when was the right time to actually say, you know what? this is this is no longer the path for me let me let me attempt something else and this has been something that i've I've asked before in terms of like if you think about consistency yeah versus insanity like those two definitions are pretty eerily similar especially if you take albert einstein's definition of insanity which is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result like that's what consistency is right you're doing the same thing over and over and over again but when do you draw that line how does that when you're thinking about that, what are the thoughts that go through your head? Like when I'm drawing the line between uh, when it's... Um... When I've completed a full attempt and I'm satisfied enough that I've attempted it so right, I can move right. on. Okay. Right? Um, I guess, uh, well, to, to use the basketball thing, it was like yeah. when I knew it was time to move on was like... When the guys I used to destroy like two, three years ago were now destroying me, I was like, okay, it's time to quit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's when I was like, okay, it's wraps. But um, I think with anything, it's like, I think there's a certain point where I'm lazy, right? So if I think if I tried like hard enough at like pursuing like something that I really wanted to, like let's say acting or you know, becoming a, like a musician or whatever. I think anybody, if they want it bad enough, right, they can get to a point where, you know, they can be successful at that thing, right? Right. Uh, it's just time, effort, dedication, right? But I'm lazy, man. I don't, I don't want to put all that effort in to do something that, you know, like, I, I like, but like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So for me, when I hit that, like, plateau where, I can say I've given it a good shot. Mm -hmm. And for me to actually get to the point where I can actually get to, like that point of success in that whatever craft you're trying to do, if the effort is so much, that's the point where I'm like, okay, is the effort worth that? Is it Mm -hmm. worth trying to pursue it all the way through? And if, you know, if it's too much, then my lazy ass is like, okay, (laughs) sit down, find something new. You gave it a good shot. You had your fun, right? Like, yeah, that's me. I mean, that's just how I see it. Plus, I I feel like different people have their own strengths, right? And so it's like, 
you can put all your time and energy into something else, but why not put it into your strongest asset? Because right. you'll probably achieve mastery or achieve excellence way faster than if you did it, you know, in some other thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that comes down to self-awareness as well. Yeah. But I want to touch, I want to go back on something you touched upon earlier, which was, you know, you said money's not a priority for yeah. me, right? Yeah. What would you say your priorities are right now? Maybe in terms of like core values, what right. would you say those priorities are? Uh, core values. Mm-hmm. Um, man. I obviously, uh, I'll use this example, right? So, Actually, right before I got sick uh, in the summer of 2018, I was supposed to fly out to see uh, my friend in London, England. Uh, he's my best friend. He's out there studying law, like uh, all that kind of stuff, right? So I hadn't seen him all year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was supposed to fly out to see him, but I decided not to because I thought at the time, like, at the time, I did need the money for, like, living expenses rather than the trip, right? But then the thing that made me realize that money is not all that important was when I was in the hospital, I was actually in critical condition at a moment. Like, there was a time where it was like, okay, it was kind of risky, you know? Like, do I make it out of this or do I not, right? Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I kind of thought about I hadn't seen my best friend in such a long time, right? but I decided to save a couple bucks rather than go see him, right? And if I were to, let's say, if things took a turn for the worse and I died in that operating room, I would have gone without talking or seeing my best friend or my parents for the past year to save however much that flight and trip would have been, right? And it was at that moment I kind of realized money's not a priority to me, you know what? Because money is just enabling me to do the things yes. that really matter. I totally agree so, with that, yeah. I'd much rather die knowing that I saw my best friend or my family rather than having that extra 400 in my bank account. So that's why I don't pursue mem- uh, money, but like I need money to pursue the things, but it's not higher on my priority list. Yeah, no, I totally agree. In terms of like money is like an enabler. It's yeah. a tool to yeah. help you bridge things, right? Yeah. So my infamous question that i love to ask on the podcast <laughs> if you had 200 million dollars burning in your pocket with 12 months left to live what would be the first three to five things you would want to do and why oh, shit uh, no like no like yeah. i'm investing this for no, the future because i'm not investing shit i got 12 <laughs> months left man um yeah Oh man, that's t- I remember you asked me this so many like months ago and yeah. I couldn't figure it out. I like you know, obviously like if my parents are still around, um you know, I want to take care of them, make sure they're set up totally. Uh, but that's not going to take up 200 million. I, I I know they're not like that. Um but uh that's tough, man. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Uh You know what? Like I know an answer that I thought about for a long time um, was that I would set up, like, a system or, like, a facility for, like, kids or people, like, young people who went through, like, the same disease as I did to not feel the same way I did, having to walk through, like, the hospital doors every day and, like, be viewed by a certain way and, like, surrounded by, like, old people suffering the same disease that you are and just feeling some type of way, right? I would set up like a foundation or an organization that would 
help minimize the time needed on treatment to surgery or like try to research like a cure to this disease right like that's one thing i thought about right um that's me like trying to be altruistic and all that but at the same time the selfish version of me is i would use that money and do whatever the hell i wanted to for like the next 12 months right so i guess like it depends i mean uh, the good part of me says like no start the foundation the selfish side of me says no like go climb mount everest like then go fly there then go fly there then do this then do that then do that right so i'm kind of torn between the two because i see i see things as like you this is your life right like you can either dedicate it to helping others or you know enjoying it for yourself and i think there's nothing wrong with either um because it's your life you choose what you want to do with it um obviously like it's it's sweet like to the people who want to dedicate their lives to helping others like that's amazing like i commend you i'm not a great of a person as you i want to dedicate this life to me right so i think in a selfish way after i take care of my loved ones my friends and stuff like that I'd probably like you know do what I needed to do mm-hmm. with the money and then enjoy the last twelve months the way I would enjoy it. And you know what? Some people might see that as selfish, but I see it as you know you only got this one life. Right. Let experience right. Like do what you need to do right. So that's me. I think I love that answer so much because I feel like that is such an authentic answer. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of times, no, I'm not saying authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, you know, I know like, what you like, mean. I know, yeah, yeah. Because like a lot of times, like I ask this question to different people right not not necessarily on the podcast maybe just like i just asked them in in real life and you can tell that they want to say you know i'm going to use this money to buy a car to buy a house whatever whatever and then they go and say i'm going to invest it i'm going to build a charity blah 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 blah. but like who's really actually going to do that right like yeah it's kind of like you you said it really perfectly there's no right or wrong way to live your answer Mm -hmm. Uh, there's no right or wrong (laughs) way to live your life yeah yeah right and so a lot of times people feel like they need to conform to the cliche, but just be authentic. I think that'll take you like super far. So I really love the the vulnerability in your answer, how you broke it down in terms of, you know, selfishly, this is what I want to do. But on the other side, I have this, but I think at the end of the day, I'd go with this direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love that a lot. Now, what would you say has been the best investment you've ever made under $100? <sighs> Uh, under a hundred dollars, man. Yeah. I was gonna say my Vitamix blender, but but okay, <laughs> we can count that. We can count that. How much right, was right. it? How much that was, was like four hundred dollars, you know. But yeah. I was like, that was the best investment. Really, that's it, the first thing that popped in your mind because it. I'm investing my health, right? Like yeah. I, I can, I can make like the healthy smoothies I need to make. I can make uh, my juices. Like I'll do like a bunch of like healthy stuff in it. But for me, like investing in your health is the best investment for me because especially after going through all that shit, I know how important health is. So. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might answer that as oh a stock or like a business idea or whatever, right? And that's great, like. But again, it's where your priorities lie, right? And my priorities are with living a healthy life and enjoying my life. So yeah, I think for me, the first thing that pops into my head is my AirPods, <laughs> just because I use them like all the time. Those are over a hundred bucks, though, man. Yeah, those, are, those bucks, are a little yeah. overpriced. You have but... the you have the Galaxy Pods, right? Man, you bring this up every time, yeah. but yeah, I got, the, little, I got the Galaxy Pods. They're slightly yeah. less quality than the AirPods, in my opinion. It's fucking That's haters. It. <laughs> <laughs> You're also a full Android user as well, just uh, to let the audience know. 
Man, why are you why are you trying to like discriminate <laughs> me like that? I know like all the all the people listening who are using are Apple, Apple are just like right already now. they're just like okay, I don't like this guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't like this guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, before I get to my very last question, um, do you want to just spend some time share with the audience, uh, maybe your Instagram, your Facebook, um, YouTube channel, whatever it is that they could potentially connect with you or reach you on, if you want to give something like that out. Uh yeah um. You know, follow me on uh, Instagram. Uh, I think it's Ivan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave the link uh, in the description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Below. He'll he'll get me. He'll get me. I always forget this. Um, no, but yeah, you know, if uh, if you thought like I was, you know, whatever, you know, connect with me. Yeah. Okay. I'll leave Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I'll put your Facebook in the link. Yeah, I got nothing else going on in life, so you know, um, <laughs> check out my barbershop does hair club on Instagram. Uh, that I care about that, but you know, other than that. Cool. Yeah. So I'll put a link to those all in the description below. Uh, now, my last question is, let's say, you know, 100 years down the line, it has now truly come to your time to leave this earth. Damn, okay? I'll be 120 years old. Okay. I, I mean, you never know, man. The way right, society right. and technology is progressing nowadays. I don't, I don't even want to live that long, but all right, go ahead. Yeah, true, yeah, true. Um, let's say every single thing that you've amassed in your entire lifespan all of a sudden just vanishes at that point of your death. But you have a piece of paper and you have a pen and you can write down three truths that you want to share behind with the world. What would be those three things that you want to leave behind written on a piece of paper? Three things? Keep in mind, everything you've ever accomplished in your life is just wiped away. So nobody knows anything except for this piece of paper. What three things would you want to write on it? I think first thing that pops in my mind right away is something I saw on the internet. Um, but it's uh, it's like this quote about how we've become so uh, materialistic. So one of the things like I always like try to live by is uh, love people, um, love people, use things, not use use people, love things, right? So don't get that twisted. Um, I think that would be the first thing. Um. Honestly, I can't think of it like two other things, you know, because like I could write down like, oh, like I got through this, I got through that, I ran a marathon, I did that, but it's like whatever. And then like at this point in my life, I haven't accomplished shit, so like it is what it is, you know. <laughs> okay, okay, I yeah. like I like the authenticity, man. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like the Appreciate authenticity. That. All right, well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to join me on today's episode. I had a blast. So yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me. If you've made it all the way here, thank you very much for listening. Now, I want you to screenshot a picture of the podcast, share it on Instagram or any other social media platform, and tag three friends that you think find this podcast interesting. Oh, and tag me as well. I'd love to hear any thoughts you had on the conversation. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, leave a rating or review on whatever platform you're listening through. I would greatly appreciate that. Make sure to stay tuned for part two of this episode and be sure to follow me on Instagram at Johnny underscore Sue. That's J-O-N-N-Y underscore H-S-U. And to follow the Broaden Your Perspective podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, Instagram, and Facebook.